Welcome to the Winning Edge Investments Podcast. Winning Edge Investments provides industry-leading horse racing and sports betting tips, ratings and education, enabling you to invest intelligently and treat your betting like a business. Go to www.winningedgeinvestments.com to learn more about how you can start to supercharge your betting bank immediately. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments. Today on the Winning Edge podcast, we're joined by Trent Busserton from Busserton Racing. G'day, Trent. How are you, mate? Good, thank you. How are you, mate? Yeah, well, always like to get a bit of a debrief on the careers of the people we interview. Tell us where it all began in racing for you. Um, myself, like myself and Natalie, both come from racing families. My, my father was a top trainer in New Zealand, um, trained a 1,000 winners, and uh, I sort of tagged along after school and on the weekends and sort of went to the stables and and was sort of very interested in it from a young age. I had uh, had Bew and Baker following around his father, Murray Baker, and um, Stephen Marsh, who's a good trainer in New Zealand. His father, Bruce Marsh, obviously won a Melbourne Cup. Sort of we had a little group that uh, basically followed our fathers around on the weekends and um, have, have sort of just grown up with it. And my father, he... Um, after training in New Zealand for probably twenty years, he he headed up to Singapore. He was one of the one of the first expat trainers up there, and we spent ten years up in Singapore. And I, I was assistant trainer up there to him, so that was sort of the the early part of things before we moved back to New Zealand. Myself and Natalie and and got our license there, and and then obviously headed over to Australia. How long have you been in Australia for now? I think just past five years. Yep. Uh, yeah, five years. We're thoroughly enjoying it here. I mean, the racing in Australia is absolutely thriving, which is obviously, you know, apparent with the prize money. But, no, we enjoy enjoy the Australian lifestyle. So, no, um, definitely not going back anytime soon. And tell us, how does it work with yourself and Natalie? Um, you know, you see a lot of training partnerships these days, but not ones which are, you know, partners in life. How does that work? Is there any tricky moments or...? She talks. <laughs> she talks, and I listen. <laughs> yep, you've got a spot on. <laughs> um, oh, it's sort of. It's yeah. It certainly has its moments, but um, no, it's good. We've got things w- worked out, and like you'll see, most sort of not so much, you know, life partners or whatever. But with the amount you've got to do now, when you have a large stable, you know, the partnerships that are, you know, becoming apparent. It's it's certainly a a two-person job minimum, you know, let alone with your with your senior staff. Does it make it easier to have the hard conversations? I mean, if you see other training partnerships where there's two different guys, different age groups, it's probably a bit harder to have those conversations with people you don't know as well? Yeah, I, I think we're probably a little bit unique, but we're probably definitely equal partners, you know. We certainly have your disagreements and, and your different thoughts on, on things, but Whereas you say those senior, senior, junior partners, there's definitely one boss, one bloke calling the shots. So, no, it's very much equal, but it's um, sort of it works, and uh, it's always good to have two different, you know, opinions on things. So, but as as a whole, you know, we've got our training routine, and we know what works, and hopefully works with the horses. So it's sort of, uh, it's pretty straightforward. And you've had a fair bit of success. I mean. Um likes of Tag Lower and you've had Tabago. Run us through the most memorable horses in your mind. Um, pr- 
probably the first good horse we had before we moved over to Australia. It was a horse called Six O'Clock News. He was a Zabiel horse. He didn't manage to pick up a Group 1, but he was multiple, you know, Group 2 winner. He was the first good horse. And then our first Group 1 winner was obviously Sankster in, um, in the Victorian Derby, and that was obviously a big big moment in our career. He, he came along very early in the career. I think it was only two or three years into us training in New Zealand. Um, obviously, they don't come much bigger than the Spring Carnival and sort of, while I travelled with my father's horses over here to bring one over and do it yourself um, and get amongst the big guns, it, it was certainly very memorable, but um, it's certainly hard to win group ones. I think we've had eight now maybe, but um, probably as big an impact on our on our training career was the Blue Diamond, sort of while we'd come here and, and had a bit of luck with staying type horses it's, and got sort of pigeonholed or it was where our success has been so that's sort of everyone was saying well we're trainers trainers are stayers and so it was good to sort of tick off one of those majors for the two-year-olds which showed people we we can do it so that's enabled us to go to sales and buy nice horses and for those two-year-old type races where they're certainly expensive at the sales so you've got to have some backing behind you and and that that's been a pivotal moment in in our career so far in Australia I guess. And it's that time of year again where you have the Blue Diamond Stakes. Anything out of the barn which you think will be up to the likes of Tagalore and potentially win the race? Or oh, No, we don't have anything running. I do really like a two-year-old filly. We've got a filly called Bon Hur. Um, she's a filly we bought at the Magic Millions, and she's actually out of a Group 1 winner um, that won the Emirates Stakes, the Myers, the Phillies, a Mares race. Um, so she's not real bred to be a two-year-old but she's had two runs where she's run third and she ran a close-up fifth in the blue diamond prelude the other day she's only beaten a couple of links under a couple of links and she was charging through the line but we've elected not to go to the blue diamond we're going to go to the size produce just feel the 1400 at flemington would suit a lot better but i think she will be very hard to beat in the size produce all right, and uh, anything from the babies which will go to Sydney perhaps for the slipper or any of the other races? No, unfortunately we don't have one this year for the slipper or Blue Diamond. It's, um, they're obviously they're hard to come by and you've got to have an absolute gun, gun two-year-old firing all cylinders or, or you can very easily sort of, um, you know, they won't be around for too much longer if you push them too early when they're not ready. So no, we won't have any Diamond or slipper horses this year, unfortunately. All right. Um, on Saturday, though, you've got a nice double-pronged attack in the CS Hayes. You've got uh, Forgot You and Pasiro. Um, talk us through Forgot You. He won a trial last week. He won the Stutt Stakes and ran fifth in the Derby, um, 1,400 metres first up, and I think he's got blinkers on this time, hasn't he? Yeah, and we sort of, we've sort of always thought he was a blinker horse. He's He sort of hits those flat spots in, in his races at the sort of 400, and it's lost a couple of lengths, and he's managed to get away with it in a couple of the races, but Going forward, um, we really want to have him absolutely firing on all cylinders for the Australian Guineas. He ran he ran a great fifth in the Caulfield Guineas, and he was only beaten two lengths, but at that stage he was fourth up going into the mile and probably looking for the 2,000. So we're going to keep him. He'll be second up into the Australian Guineas, and he's, he's got the shades on just to stop him going through that flat spot, hopefully. But... I was super impressed with the way he trolled up in those blinkers um, 
albeit just a trial. He, he showed a good turn of foot when Mark Zara asked him to go, and he's going to have improvement in him out of the race, but I, th- I think he's going to be really competitive on on Saturday. He's got a sticky gate, barrier 11, so it's pretty straightforward. We'll be going back. Um, but you've obviously got that big Flemington straight, and there looks to be a bit of speed in the race, so I've got no doubt he can get home over top of them. What's the main aim for him this time in? Uh, it's firstly the Australian Guineas in a perfect world. He, he'd win that, and he's obviously he's quite well well bred, so he, he would become a valuable colt if he did get that. Um, then it's sort of open. Let us let the horse tell us. You've got the Rose Hill Guineas, Alistair, Alistair Clark Stakes, maybe even you know if he could win the Australian Guineas, maybe look at a Doncaster. But obviously, so much prize money, so many races available. You know, it's it's a great place to be in. Yep. You sound pretty bullish about him, mate, even on Saturday, but for the rest of the prep? Yeah, I think he's a genuine good horse. He's, you know, he's he's won two group twos, and a, he's, uh, like I said, he was he was competitive in a Caulfield Guineas when he was probably looking for further, so, yeah, he's he's one of the stable's main hopes going into the autumn. Yep, and what about Pasiro in the same race? He's got a better draw than Forgot You. Yes, um, he's sort of on the other end of the, he's untapped, he's, one, two from two, both at Sandown, which is obviously hard to do. Uh, he hasn't stepped up against the big boys, so you'll sort of will find out where he lies in the scheme of things. On his on his track work and that, he's every bit as good as the other horse. Um, but you know, we're hoping, we think he's good, but until you get in against the big guns, you don't know. But he's drawn to get a beautiful run. He'll present in great order, um, no excuses. So I, I'm confident of a, of a you know very bold run but like i say you don't you don't know until you get them there against the better three-year-olds yeah i forgot you've got the runs on the board so you're probably leaning towards him uh yes but yep. but you know i'd be disappointed if both of them aren't in the finish yep and uh we had the all-star mile top 10 announced during the week and you had sierra sue who was just all just outside that but you're hoping to get a wild card into the race uh yes look she's going to go around in the futurity next week Next Saturday, um, I thought it was a good solid run the other day. She's run fourth, you know. She, you got horses like Cascadia and the Doncaster winner, and obviously Tefani or Tefane is a multiple Group One winner. So she's in the absolute top of the tree now. Um, and I thought she ran as well as she could at weight for age, with a bit of improvement to come. If she if she can, you know, win the Futurity or go close to it. I'm, Picking there'll be a few in the top 10 that probably don't look likely to go to the All-Star Mile. So I'm picking a few outside the top 10 probably creep into the race. I'm not exactly sure where she lies, but if she runs well in the Futurity, we'd obviously certainly like to like to run in the race. How does it work in that wild card? Whose uh, door do you need to knock down? <laughs> <laughs> Basically Greg Carpenter's, I'd suggest. I mean, <laughs> but... Um, Look, the, the, basically the horse has got to put it, you know, put her hand up, so to speak. And the only way of doing that is running a uh, running a big race in the Futurity. So that's what we'll be hoping for. And in reality, if she can't go close in the Futurity, you know, if she's not running top three in the Futurity, she's not uh, she's not going to be a winning hope in the All Star Mile. And yep. look, it's certainly great to take your place in in those sort of races, especially with that sort of prize money. But you don't want to be going around for the sake of it. You know? yep. I don't want to be going around with a hopeless chance. So oh, she's very well, and I expect her to run well in the futurity. Yep, and they alternate the track with that race. Where would you prefer to be? And I was at Flemington this year, but is that ideal for her? 
Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't worry her. She's won at Caulfield and she's won at uh, Flemington and she was terribly unlucky at Mooney Valley. She should have won at Mooney Valley last year in the spring. So I guess from a, each person's perspective, it's whatever suits their horse. But to me, I think the concept's good, sharing it around the clubs. I think that's a, uh, I think that's a good idea. I mean, for pure theatre, I suppose, there's nothing like Mooney Valley. Um I don't think there's that much argument from a spectator's point of view. You know, it's it's the best, most exciting place to watch it. But no, I think it's a great concept, and I, I think it's well done shared throughout the clubs. Yep. Rich Hips set the bar up with her this time in. I see you've got a nom for the Queen of the Turf, the Group One. Yes, yeah, she will kick off um, on the 26th next Saturday in the um, just the Group Three Phillies and Mares 1400. It's a race she won last year. Um, I think she's going to be extremely hard to beat in it. She's um, She's a genuine Group 3 horse. That's We've had a crack at a couple of Group 1s, um, and she just hasn't been far away but not quite up to them. Um, so we'll kick off in the Group 3, and if she runs well, there again, there are plenty of races like the one you just mentioned. We'd obviously love to pick off a Group 2 or a Group 1 especially, um, so she'll get a chance if she's going good enough this, this autumn. And what about the other horses like uh, Mirage Dancer? It was okay in the spring without winning. Inverloch was the same vein, kind of ran well, but yeah, Inverloch, he's he's just a, look, he's a good, genuine, honest galloper that he's won a Group Three off season. Um, I'd love to have twenty horses like him in the stable. You know, yep, they go very honest. Up, yep, so and they're the sort of horses you need that run around on Saturdays. Um, he's been kept out for a bit of a long break over summer. He really needs the wet tracks. We're not setting it. He'll be back racing sort of end of April, May, and probably. He's a he's an eight year old now. He'll probably this will be his last season. Um, but we'll give him give him one long solid sort of winter campaign, and without setting the bar too high, just try and win some races and some prize money for the owners. He's been great for the owners. Sort of he's been around four seasons now, um, and they've had a lot of fun obviously watching him go around. And the other old horse Mirage Dancer, he's in Stud in Ireland. He's standing standing in Stud in. Oh, okay. Ireland. Yep. So he's yeah, going to he's done. For, He's going to be enjoying himself this uh, this upcoming season, but yep. in a different <laughs> Yep, nice, nice. Um, what about Flash R? He's an interesting horse you've got from Queensland. What can you tell us about him? Um, yeah, we were approached by the owners to take the horse and certainly happy to do so. Uh, he wasn't too far away just looking at his form. Um, he turned up in fantastic order. He looks good. He's happy, healthy and sound. Um and I'd, I would say there are wins in him for sure. We Again, we'll, we'll let the horse sort of settle in and he can kick off over 1,400 somewhere in about a month's time. Um, and sort of we'll let the horse tell tell us where we get to with him, but he's certainly going to win races down here. All right. Uh, anything else I've missed out of the good horses? or? Uh, sort of, yeah, that those are our nice ones. It's Philly to follow that she won't be seen in the autumn, but... Um, I'd suggest a nice staying filly called St- Stariana. Okay. Um, she's a Sebring filly that I've got a lot of time for. She's just had a couple of trials and gone out in the paddock. Um, but as a late order, late two-year-old and early spring three-year-old, she's going to be a really nice filly for sort of if someone's looking for one to follow out of the stable that hasn't hasn't got to the races yet. Stariana. Sounds good. What's the big aim for her? Is anything planned out or? Oh, no, just let her tell us how far but sort of she's she's a well-bred horse with a good pedigree and races like the thousand guineas or you know 
Victorian Oaks, those sort of races, hopefully. Perfect. And sounds like Bon Hur's the other one of the youngsters to keep an yep. eye on too. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I'll try and get this podcast out before this afternoon. You've got a couple at Pakenham tonight. Anything to to follow there? Uh, Semper Fortis is probably our best of the night. He was very disappointing first up. Uh, he hadn't done too much wrong in the spring, and I thought he'd be winning a maiden pretty quickly, but um, he, he was playing last time, but he should bounce back and be very hard to beat tonight. Perfect. All right, Trent, appreciate your time, mate, and good luck on Saturday. Good luck for the rest of the autumn, and um, look forward to some really nice horses stepping out. At Winning Edge Investments, our team of highly skilled expert analysts and full-time professional punters review the data, crunch the figures, assess the best betting opportunities, and deliver them to your phone via our app and your email inbox in real time so you profit. Go to www.winningedgeinvestments.com. Look at our membership options, make your choice, and enter the promo code PODCAST to receive a special 25% discount on your first membership just for listening. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T in capital letters for a 25% ongoing discount on your first membership. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments.